Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Welcome into The Mac and Reed Show. Right here on the Barroom Network, we're watching live on YouTube, of course. Catch all our previous shows on Spotify, Pod, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you get all your media. Check us out there and check us out on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Good evening, sir. How you doing? Um, fantastic. How you he's, doing? We got a big weekend ahead of us. At Ross Reed, we got a, a great big weekend ahead of us. We'll take our show on the road to New Orleans. Looking good, brother. It's going to be nice and uh, nice and humid, nice and rainy, but we'll have some fun. We'll see some music. We'll we'll, we'll see some strangeness, that's for sure, and uh, hopefully not bring back any ghosts with us. Seeing a lot of bears down in the comments. I love it. We will be talking about a lot in the show today. A lot of bears news, of course, talking about the Roquan situation and Ryan Poles' response to the organization, Family Fest on a Tuesday. Whose fucking idea was that? Good shit. We'll be talking about the rest of the NFL, of course, going around the league, talking about just more bad news for the White Sox, Field of Dream games coming up tomorrow uh, with two shitty baseball teams. And then, of course, Skeet and Kim are no more. I want Ross's thoughts on that. And then we'll round it out with another great top five at the end. But to begin, my goodness, yeah, we're going to no voodoo for this Bears season, indeed. Uh, it's already, I, I think I need to bring back some sort of talisman or some Roquan. I'm going to bring back a Roquan voodoo doll, and I'm going to make, make him sign a fucking contract. Um, because the situation, I don't know. This, this is, uh, we'll get Ross's thoughts in a, in a minute. And I know everybody's been exhausted with the news since yesterday. Roquan came out and said he's requesting this trade and posted the notes note and Ian Rappaport obviously made it go even more viral at this point. It's worth mentioning too. Roquan has muted his media, taken, uh, taken down his social media, his, his Twitter, his Instagram, all that. But you know, the situation honestly could have been avoided. Uh, so the, the whole recap for me, it's again, like everything bears related, it's been dominated by the Roquan Smith news. Right. And I feel like as a bears fan, your stomach turns over when you see that, but the letter seemed heartfelt. Like, let's talk about the letter itself. He's representing himself as his own agent. Of course, we know this. He doesn't want to pay 3% to some guy. You have to assume he wrote all of this letter, at least had someone proofread it. The, the things that stood out, you know, the quotes to me that I have down here are, quote, unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. Their focus has been on trying to take advantage of me. Uh, another quote, I haven't had a chance to talk to the McCaskey family and maybe they can salvage this. But as of right now, I don't see a path back to the organization I truly love. So, uh, you know, Ryan Poles, to his credit, responded right away, which wasn't uh, called upon. And he was composed as, as a first time GM. 
And he said, quote, and with this situation, we've showed respect from a very early time frame. With that said, there's record setting pieces of this contract that I knew for a fact. Went on to say, I thought he was going to show him the respect that he deserves. And obviously that hasn't been the case. With that said, we can't lose sight that this isn't about one player. My job is to build a roster that's going to sustain success for a long period of time. And at the end of the day, we got to do what's best for the Chicago Bears. And then today, the Bears go ahead and activate Roquan off the pup list, which means that dude has to start participating or open it up to team discipline or fines if the team wants to play it that way. It's not exactly mandated, but that's usually what that means uh, when you pull a player off the pup list when they're, they're holding in a type of situation. So this sucks for Bears fans to see Roquan in this situation. And the organization certainly wanted everything to be hunky-dory in a rebuilding season that is this way, you know, going back to what Ryan Pohl said, this isn't about one player, right? This is about a team and making sure you put the best 53 man roster on the field for, for game one against the the 49ers. Right. And so, you know, this affects preseason, obviously, you know, a big dress rehearsal on Saturday against the chiefs and and this trickle down, but it seems pretty split as far as this situation with Roquan, uh, as far as fans and please chime in on the comments. Uh, as far as wanting him to stay or getting a first round pick or whatever his return is during with this trade, you know, me before I get to you, Ross, I don't side with Roquan on this one. I think dragging the organization is, is never a great look and it's the wrong way to play it, especially when the organization holds the cards, the notes note wasn't the best way to play it. Any agent again with, with him representing himself worth his salt would have advised against it. He or she uh, is he a great linebacker? He's he's great. He's he is in that mold of great Bears linebackers that we've seen. But you know, you're here today, gone tomorrow at this position. We've seen it before. For him to be compared with Shaq Leonard and Fred Warner with that money, it's fair. Uh, them setting the bar, but I don't believe he should be paid as the top linebacker. I'm I'm wondering what Ross thinks there, but I think he would benefit from this new look defense, the, the coaching, the front office. All of this is a fresh start. He doesn't see it that way. Uh, he wants to throw the Bears under the bus. And the lack of guaranteed money seems to be a sticking point, of course, you know, as we talk about the details uh, of the, uh, you know, bigger contract that he wants. But with all that said, you know, what, what are your thoughts, Ross? Well, I mean, there's there's so much to unpack with this, right? I mean, let's start um, at the actual holdout slash, you know, trade request itself. I, I think... Roquan Smith is in his right to hold out for a new contract. I think a lot of guys in his similar, um, you know, in the amount of years that he's put in now, he's going into his fifth year. Um, he's a, a first round pick, a top 10 pick overall. Other guys at his position who are similar of caliber of a player with him already gotten their deals already. Guys of the likes of, of Fred Warner and, um, and of course, uh, Shaquille Leonard, right? So I, I don't necessarily have a problem with, with Roquan Smith holding out. I, I do think that, um, you know, he, he would probably have more good faith in the organization and be able to get this deal done if he were practicing um, with the full you know, intent and trust that the team was going to be able to get this done for him before week one. And, and I think that's really important to keep in mind here. It is August 10th. We are still a full month away before football even matters with any of this, right? So we still have a long way to go. We talked about this last week that Shaquille Leonard got his deal um, last year around August 8th, August 9th. TJ uh, Watt didn't even get his new deal until the first week of September, right? So there's still 
such a long way to go with this. This could drag out for a little bit. I would like to see Roquan, you know, say he wants his new deal, but still show up um, in, in training camp and uh, and play football. But that's his choice. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at it right now. Let's talk about the the trade request. I think the trade request is is a byproduct of a guy who um, probably got his feelings hurt a little bit in negotiations, is not used to negotiations, is not used to having somebody, um, uh, you know, the, the person, whoever is, is speaking for him in these negotiations right now, which is probably a financial advisor or something like that. Um, it, you know, these when you don't, we're not used to these conversations and these tactics, things can come off a lot more personal um, than they are. Uh, and a lot of times in the nego- negotiation, it's the other side that's trying to show you the things that you aren't in order for them to say, well, this is what you are worth currently and going forward. And I think Roquan Smith probably heard some bad things from the Bears. Um, and I don't even think they're necessarily bad per se, but he heard some things that maybe he didn't like. He saw PFF grades and he saw that he doesn't have as many forced fumbles as Shaquille Leonard over the last couple of years and blah, blah, blah. We know the stats, right? And so they're probably saying you're not worth $22 million a year or, or $21 million, whatever you want to get paid, right? Because I'm sure he wants to probably one up Leonard a little bit. And that probably hurt his feelings. And he lashed out yesterday and he uh, uh, had somebody put a statement out in the notes app on his iPhone and then send it to Ian Rappaport. Um, and obviously we know Ian Rappaport is getting all his information strictly from the Roquan side. Whereas I, I think guys like Adam Schefter today who, who kind of had some, some new information are kind of getting their stuff from the team side and from the league side, right? So, you know, this is where we're at. I still think it is very much fixable. I don't think there's any time to panic for both sides because like I just said about 45 seconds ago, We've got one whole month until you have to play football for real, right? So there's still a lot that can go on here. I do think the Bears will get the deal done. I think Roquan is going to have to acquiesce a little bit and come back down. Um, but I do think it's done. I, I think the deal would have been done if he did, if he did have an agent already. And that's where it kind of bites you in the butt a little bit. Um, and I think that the Bears, you know, listen, he could this weekend alone – they can find him up to uh, up to half a million dollars because he's going to miss a game, uh, a preseason game. He's going to miss practices. That alone is is almost the the amount of money or, or co- close to the commission check that you're going to give an agent, right? If you start missing some of these games and they really want to find you, you know what's the whole point of that? So um, I, I do think that he's going to be humbled a little bit, and I do I do think they'll fix it in the long run, but. Yeah, I think Roquan comes out of this today looking a lot worse uh, than he did before the day started yesterday. He did because he brought emotion into it, right? And I think that's what's been pointed out in the comments uh, largely, too. And thanks for everybody participating there. And and the reason they are far apart, it does seem largely that it's the guaranteed money. It seems that, again, and, you know, if if you're an agent negotiating for Roquan, too, you certainly want to swing for the fences and, and try to get that biggest contract in the league as a linebacker because he is a stat stuffer and he's been, you know, voted all pro in a couple of years. He, he's up that upper echelon. He's in the prime of his career at this point. But again, goes back to Roquan. I, I think the bears just have all the leverage here. I, I love Roquan as a player and he is a dynamite talent. Like one of the best defensive picks they've had in years. Uh, a guy who's a stud from Georgia, as he said in, in the notes app, and he's played a, in a national championship game he's had that level that sec level is just different when they get to the nfl they just seem to adapt and learn a lot better and he fit in right away and he is 
really rolled with some bad football teams and bad defenses and still played all over the field, still played with a lot of heart. Just the, the notes note, it was like those quotes I, I read out. I, I don't think any talking to the McCaskies is really going to do any good. I mean, what the fuck are the McCaskies going to do? They're, they're going to side with the organization at this point. And Ryan, Ryan Poles, good on him to stick with his guns at this point because he's like, listen, you know, we'll, we, we, you can play or you can hold out. You can miss out on all this money or we can franchise you next year. It, it's all we're trying to build for not this year, but the next year, the year after that, there's so many other moving parts like the Tevin Jenkins thing so far. Um, and, and the wide receiver, uh, situation currently too. And just a lot of other moving parts where obviously you want to get the Roquan long-term deal done. It seems like it can be shelved and he just has to really kind of just, I, I don't know, mature to me and, and play because again, Four years in the league is nothing. It could be gone really quick. For him to get like $20 million is just a little incredible to me. And I get it. You want that money up front, but it would just really behoove him to, I think, again, like consider an agent at this point. But some of these guys, it's worked out before. Uh, I'm I'm forgetting the names of certain guys who have represented themselves, but Mm -hmm. it has. uh, But, I, I mean... It's, it's just shitty timing, again, when there's just a myriad of issues here. But I would side with Ryan Poles in the organization all day with how they have uh, staunchly said that this is about a team and this is about uh, a unit. They're they're ready with or without him to, to see what they got in this Bears roster uh, come Saturday against Kansas City. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I, I, I kind of equate it to, you know, Lamar Jackson, who also represents himself right now. And, and look, he's a guy who doesn't have a deal right now either, right? And and he's a he's got an MVP trophy on his shelf. So, you know, a lot of these guys are, to me, are, are held back a little bit by, by not having an agent. To me, and I tweeted this out uh, yesterday, I believe, you should have a professional or hire professionals to do a job that they're really good at, right? And if I'm moving tomorrow, I just moved into a new house a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to hire movers, professionals, because they're more efficient at it, they're experts at it, and I trust them. And it it saves me so much more time and money when I hire a professional to do anything, which is whether it's legal work or household work or anything like that. And so when you don't do that, you get the exact situation that both Roquan Smith and Lamar Jackson are in. Here are the top players in the league that are, are that are currently paid by salary, right? Let's kind of go down the list a little bit really quickly. Is Roquan Smith better than Joey Bosa at $27 million a year? No. He's an elite pass rusher. Miles Garrett's at 25 mil. No. Khalil Mack, 23 and a half. Aaron Donald, 22 and a half, right? You, you, you go down the list, you got Demarcus Lawrence at 21. DeForest Buckner is at 21. These guys are pass rushers. These guys are at a premier position getting after the quarterback. Frank Clark is at 20.8. You kind of have to look at Roquan's position, uh, his peers, to kind of see where he slots in. And that's where his argument really comes into play. So I, I think if, if Roquan is saying he wants $22 million a year, nope. See you, buddy. You're not even close to that right now. You got to play around the Shaq Leonard price. He's at $19.7 million a year. If I were the Bears, I would give Roquan Smith that because he's 25 years old and I'm paying him not for what he has done already in the NFL, but what for I think he's going to do for the next four to five years going forward in the same defense that got Leonard paid. So I would be fine giving him $19.7 million a year. 
Fred Warner's next on the list at $19 million a year. CJ Mosley is at $17 million a year. Then the list kind of drops off a little bit. I think those, I think Roquan is a lot better than those guys. So I think Roquan has got to come in around that $19 million a year number. Um, if the Bears want to pump it up a little bit on, on some, some guaranteed money and stuff like that, I'm fine with that. But Roquan is going to have to come off that $21, $22, 23000000 million if he's even there. We don't know the exact numbers if he's there. Another piece of it is, and I'll kind of wrap it up here, he's had some off-field stuff. Um, the TikTok, you know, whatever the hell that was, we, we know what that was about a couple months ago, right? That came up. There was a, a, a rape scandal on, on TikTok. He has everything from he left the team, you know, when they were in London to leaving a playbook in the car, to his rookie deal holdout, to being on a boat with a porn star, to all these other things. And I think the Bears are kind of like, look, man, if you want us to give you close to $100 million, we also want to make sure that you are mature. And we're going to put some de-escalators in your contract that reflect that. And I think he probably also doesn't like that kind of language either. That's a great point, Ross. The off the field stuff is huge. And that talk, talk when you would initially request this trade too, obviously think about the market. And if you're able to get in a landing spot, like, I don't know, the Ravens have been tof- tossed around and so many other teams like Dolphins in there. But, but again, it, it's the whole package, right? On the field is one thing, but uh, can you, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and, and, and really focus on everything you got to do in the field at that point? Um, 19 million seems like a, a, when you're talking about CJ Mosley and Fred Warner, again, guys who've been doing it uh, for a long time at this point now, and, and at a, a very high level, that's the going rate. And that seems like a, a very fair price, um, that Roquan should embrace at this point. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see. We do have a lot of time now, uh, to see how this shakes out. But, but again, going back to the whole situation with the GM, I feel like Ryan Poles has had a lot thrown at him. Again, the, the Tevin Jenkins requesting the trade, rumors and everything like that, and wide receivers being shook up a little bit and just kind of retooling this roster, but also making sure you assess who can stay and who can go, who's going to fit, who's not going to, who's going to grow within this team, who's not going to. How do you think he's been handling himself? You know, obviously we still have a few preseason games and, and you know, all of this training camp and, and all of this um, figuring out the roster for the, the season has not been set up. But how do you think he's been doing, Ross? I mean, I think it's been um, a lot of trial by fire. I think he's he's kind of, you know, being forced to learn on the job right now. I think he's had some hiccups along the way. I think he's had some successes. Some of the successes he's had, I think he's had a, a really good draft right now. It's hopefully that these guys can stay healthy. But, you know, your starting left tackle this year might be a fifth-round pick from this draft, right? And you've got two starting safeties as long as Calla Gordon can get back out there and healthy. Um, you know, Jones is, is going to be a weapon, a wide receiver immediately. So he might have a very good draft on paper. I think some of the free agent stuff was a little bit of a hiccup. I wasn't crazy about the uh, about the Pringle signing, and um, that was before he decided to do donuts in the parking lot with his kids in the car, and then now he's hurt. Um, you know, I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of – him trying to give $40 million to a defensive tackle that had really one year of, of success underneath his belt, and then he ended up having a foot injury, right? So he's had some hiccups along the way, but I think that um, I think he showed a lot of conviction yesterday and a lot of courage um, standing up there at that podium after the news broke um, during Family Fest and, and, and really you know answering the questions and, and kind of planting his flag a little bit. And I give him that kind of, I, I give him credit for having that kind of courage, right? 
Um, now, you know, circling, you know, all the way back, you know, he, he's got to do what's best for the football team. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I do think that the deal with Roquan Smith will get done because I don't think that he's going to sell Roquan for 60 cents on the dollar, which is probably what you'll do if you try and trade him. I don't think anybody's giving you a first round pick for Roquan Smith uh, or you're even, you know, high a couple number twos. I think you kind of have to, you know, be able to figure this out. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was also very telling that we heard from Brad, Brad Biggs that um, Trace Armstrong was in the building um, yesterday uh, and today for the Bears. Trace Armstrong, if you guys don't know, um, obviously former defensive end for the Chicago Bears, but since then has gone on to have a very lucrative uh, career as a sports agent in this industry. Uh, he does represent uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Everflus, and he's got a multitude of clients all throughout the NFL. Um, he was also a guy that was quite frankly rumored to be, you know, a possible president of ops for the Bears, among other teams, and maybe a GM. So I, I think he came in and he flew into Chicago and he saw his young, his young client, his young guys, you know, probably needing a little bit of a pep talk and a pep talk and some guidance and advice. And, and I think Trace was here to give that to him. So now it's going to be very telling to see what happens in the next couple of days now that Roquan is taken off the pup list and see what happens. Um, from the Tech of Tevin Jenkins stand, standpoint, I'm glad he's on the football field. I hope that there's a fire uh, lip behind him. If I were Matt Everflus and, and, uh, and, and Luke Getze on Saturday, I would play him the entire second half of football and say, look, dude, you have got to show us something out there and prove to us that you can go into next week and battle for a starting position or – you might be trade bait and we might be showcasing you for somebody else. Yeah, that's a good point. With Ryan Poles, it, it, he's gotten good grades for me. Again, building on the draft is going to be super important. We know that that secondary was very heavy as far as getting some help for Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. And, and then you kind of roll with it. We, we didn't know where this offensive line would be back. You know, injuries be damned, everything else, as it's an X-man up league. And then you go and sign Riley Reef and, and Michael Schofield. I think those were pretty telling signings for, for where he wants to, to be at in protecting Justin Fields and, and paving lanes for David Montgomery like that. Uh, he, he's gotten all very good grades from me. And I think, yeah, handling this Tevin Jenkins situation, I think you're absolutely right, Ross. And I, I believe that he would have to play a good chunk of, uh, again, because we have very limited tape on Tevin and, and the injury history so far. Like this guy, you got to show us what you showed out of college, that you are just a beast in the trenches, that you are going to be a focal point of this offensive line and be one of the anchors on the left or the right going forward because you're getting, you know, guys like um, Braxton are, are beating out others uh, as far as the starting tackle spot when you're a fifth-round pick. That, again, that speaks to Ryan Poles, but also speaks to uh, the – depth of the league and you you get these guys who are fighting for a, a spot on a roster they might take your job tomorrow so it's really impressive so uh, did you see anything with family fest and and the thousand fans that were there ross that, that stood out as far as any growth with the uh with, with the bears so far as they prepare for kansas city on saturday yeah, growth-wise, I, I think the quarterback is looking sharp. I think he's, his yeah. ball is coming out a lot quicker out of his hands. I think his um, his mechanics look amazing. I think his ball placement has been amazing. He's been able to make quick and decisive decisions, right? Um, Darnell Mooney is going to be that dude, and we're talking about Roquan Smith right now and what he's going to make. 
we could be having this whole conversation a year from now because Darmelo Mooney might be expensive. He, he might get expensive, which is fine. The Bears have cap space, and they ain't paying anybody else, So which is a whole other thing. I don't know why people get upset. It's not your money. You're not paying a quarterback right now. He's on a rookie deal. Nobody else in this team is any good. You might as well give Roquan and Darnell Mooney $20 million a year each, but I digress. Um, but Mooney's going to be really expensive because he's going to have a really big year for the Bears. On the downside of things, eh, this football team is really banged up right now going into this first preseason game on Saturday. We saw today Cole Komet didn't play. A bunch of wide receivers went down with injuries. Um you know, they're really banged up right now. Kyler Gordon hasn't been out on the practice uh, field in, in a couple of days now. And so you just hope that they can get through Saturday with a lot of their key players okay and get a lot of these guys who feel like they've been on exercise bikes all this week, get them back on the football field right, uh, right now. I think those 21 players that, that are out right now currently with some sort of injury, that's just not good right now. Luckily, like I said, we got a whole month. Uh, to be able to to get this right. But I think the Bears need to get another wide receiver in here quick, fast, in a hurry. Because right now, uh, Justin Fields is throwing to Darnell Mooney and then a bunch of guys that fill up Garrett's popcorn's bags. And they ain't going to do it, man. That's not going to do it for my quarterback. And uh, who, in the second year, I need to see him to see what kind of player he is. You know, lick your wounds now and get ready for week one. And, and that'll be super important is, is obviously – the first game of the season, everything else between now and then, like seeing Matt Nagy back at Soldier Field and, and the shitty field conditions that Cairo Santos complains about can all all just be that, you know, get get healthy at the right time. The wide receiving core, that's going to be super important with Justin Fields, as we know, and, and getting that connection with Darnell Mooney. I'd love to see him make that jump and, and put up, uh, pre- prior to last year, those Allen Robinson-type numbers where he was just lighting it up. Uh, but we'll see. This is a big year for Justin Fields, and – uh, I, I don't know. You want to see anything in particular before we jump around the NFL out of this Bears matchup in Kansas City? Besides Devin Jenkins playing that second half, obviously yeah. we just you know if, if the if the starters play that first half, that's that's pretty huge. I I would expect to see a decent amount of Justin Fields, but uh, yeah, your thoughts are. Um, it's all offensive line, in my opinion. It, it's sure. I, I want to see five guys show up on Saturday and take control of, of being number one on the depth chart. So for me, it's it's all about the offensive line, which five guys are going to be able to separate themselves uh, from the rest of the group. In terms of Justin Fields, as much as I want, as Nomad says, as much as I want to see, it's all about offensive reps for him. I would like to see that. But if he's throwing the ball to plumbers and he's got an offensive line that is whiffing on blocks, I also don't want to see him get his ass kicked on Saturday. Because that is not going to help you as well. So, listen, I hope to see at least two really crisp, clean series from Fields where he doesn't take hits, but the ball is coming out with velocity and conviction and in a timely manner. I expect to see guys run bad routes. I expect to see guys drop the footballs. Again, he's not throwing the rock stars out here, right? He's throwing to, on Saturday, he's going to throw to Isaiah Coulter. Sound good to you? Huh? Nassimbo Webster, you like that? Oh yeah, like Tajay Sharp, right? Like these aren't <laughs> these aren't exactly like like Jerry Rice and John Taylor. So you got to be really careful with Justin Fields on Saturday. Make sure that he he gets his reps in, but you also need to make sure that he gets out of there without any uh, kind of significant injury while these guys get healthy. But to me, it's all about the offensive line. I, I need to see five guys on Saturday separate themselves uh, from everybody else. 
Yeah, getting out healthy is very important for sure. And and uh, I'm looking at the comments now, keeping up with renewable, rechargeable review. My my room is not decorated by my uh, lovely wife, uh, and this is mine. And that's why there's a hat rack, and that's why there's guitars and shit. And I, I look like a. And we're a literally singer. celebrating. It's his bachelor party this weekend. Bachelor so he, this weekend. Yeah. he is two months away right. from being married, but he already has a, a beautiful daughter. I do it all backwards. I do have a beautiful yes. daughter. Thank you, Ross. Yes. I appreciate that. Yep. And uh, I am very, I am very married for over twelve years now. <laughs> With your decorative plates, <laughs> I mean that's telltale. <laughs> I I can flip this camera around, and I promise there's a shit more tongue plates around here. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the plate tour. One one day we'll see all these plates, man. Yes. Uh, oh my god. Uh, yeah, as far as injury news too, you remember Jakeem Grant? He's out for the season. He yeah. uh, just lost lost for an Achilles, which is terrible. We remember him as a pretty great return man for the Bears and nice little utility receiver. Not too much going on. Everybody's preparing for those those first preseason games. The Sean Watson's going to be while well, he's figuring his thing out, and Goodell is appealing the the ultimate decision of the six game suspension. He's still supposed to start in that preseason opener. I know the Bucks are dealing with some injuries uh, as far as center and Russell Gage, but uh, I know uh, someone said uh, what's his face and Ian Rappaport or one of these guys said it was cramps. Uh, it's that Florida heat too. It'll happen mm-hmm. to you when you're doing those. Uh, those long practices, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, any anything before we get to Detroit and Hard Knocks for Don Burr here? No, not at all. Just you know, the, the injury thing, um, it sucks. I think we see it a lot more this time of year. I'll put on my my fitness hat. I always go on this soapbox and I say that um, professional athletes, in, in particular uh, NFL players, they they come into the season very much so overtrained, in my opinion, which is a bad thing. They've they've turned. Uh, football into a year-round sport and they they go away for the season and they start working out with their own trainers but they still continue to do very explosive very high rep movements and then they come into training camp they almost didn't really take a, a decent enough break time and their bodies worn down and then their their head coaches and their strength and conditioning coaches are asked to really ramp it up and and, and really go high speed and that's when you see a lot of non-contact injuries acls achilles um, hamstring injuries, stuff like that. These guys are, are, are physically a little bit more tired than they were 10, even 15 years ago. So um, hopefully, knock on wood, we're able to, um, you know, we're, we're able to get through these next couple weekends without any more significant injuries, um, especially to, to major players. But it's always going to happen. It's really turned into a, a really high volatile uh, all year round sport, especially physically for these guys. Man, it's it's tough to see these training camp injuries in preseason when uh, guys haven't even played a, a significant down and just you know you're doing uh, cross team practicing. That's that's some bullshit for sure. Are you watching Hard Knocks? I, I watched it today. I watched it today during a workout. I will not. I <laughs> if it's anything Detroit, fucking pass. Come on, man. I, I don't need to see Agent Aiden Hutchinson singing Billy Jean poorly. See another Dan Campbell speech for. For them again, follow Ross at Ross Reed. He he had some good tweets about Dan Campbell making you <laughs> want to run th- run through a wall, but then winning four fucking games. Come on, right. man. He was Come talking. On, he was talking about three toes and, and one ass cheek, or I I don't know what the I hell he was saying. And then he ended up and, <laughs> and, and then the guy was like the the guy that uh you know it's like Liam Schreiber right whatever the guy was that was what was the show that he did on Showtime. He was in oh, he's in the original Scream. But he's got that show on on Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan, yeah. So the guy, he's the voice of Hard Knocks, which I learned like a year ago. I was dumbfounded. But after Campbell does that speech, he's like, 
and the Lions came out and only won three games last year. (laughs) (laughs) It just felt so forced and contrived, the whole episode. Like, they knew the cameras were on them. Um, You know, Jamal Williams had this one speech where he was, like, fake crying after practice about how he really wants it and this and that. It's like, guess what, bro? Thousands of players over the league, they also fucking want it either. Like it, at the end of the day, it comes down to talent. You can continue to do this dog and pony show and, and tell everybody you want, you know, they can show up to, to a field with four titties and seven toes or whatever, and you're still going to kick their ass. It, it really comes down to talent all day. And I'm sorry, but when you have Jared Goff as your quarterback, I just cannot believe in you uh, in the short term and in the long term. And you're Detroit, man. Just, I mean, it's, just, it's hard to to just, yeah, it's been poorly run, as, as we see in the comments here, too. Everybody is hating on Detroit. <laughs> like, they don't need another curse, too, I feel like, at this point. It's just been a shitty situation for, for Detroit for far too long. And, and there's a reason Matt, uh, Matt Stafford wanted out of there. And, and uh, of course, he went and won a Super Bowl right away like that. I would see the midseason hard knocks. I saw the Cardinals will be on there. I yeah, would the be Cardinals. more entertained. Yeah, but. hopefully, uh, hopefully Kyler Murray can give me some pretty cool uh, Call of Duty tips. Yeah, there and, uh, you go. Yeah, absolutely. I will say though, the the you know I forgot I, I forgot like the draft you know stuff like that because it's all a blur. I forgot Aiden Hutchinson was was on the uh, was on the Lions even though he's like the second overall pick. Um, so it was really cool to see that they did a little piece with his uh, with him and his father who. Uh, had the sack record, sack record at the University of Michigan before Hutchinson, his son, uh, broke the record. But, I mean, he's a Michigan guy. He's he's from the area. It was really cool to see him and his family and him kind of like really kind of like you could tell that kid's going to be a star and he's going to be a star of that franchise for, for a long time to come. And as a Bears fan, it's going to really suck to see that guy coming off the edge and trying to come after Justin Fields. So um, I, I do think that the, the, the Lions got a good one there and it was really cool to see him kind of like – kind of emerging and his personality coming out a little bit as he knows like shit i might be the best guy in this team already and i haven't even played you know one meaningful down in the nfl yet yeah very true they need a, a breath of fresh air for sure i will uh, take i will take by the way no jets pizza slander jets pizza is really good I, and listen yeah. I'm, I'm chicago pizza all day but that jets pizza that's not bad something about the pan i, yeah. I like it yeah i fucks with it that's the one good thing to come out of Detroit. I mean, come on. It's true. <laughs> and Royce. And your boy, Royce. <laughs> so, Ross, the as we, we look around the, the world of sports here and, and in Chicago, the baseball hits just keep coming with Tim Anderson out four to six weeks. I mean, you may have a Cy Young winner on the south side, but I, I just feel like this injury bug has plagued the White Sox that showed so much promise and we're looking to get back into the playoffs and make a run. It's just shitty. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's shitty, but I mean, listen, Tim Anderson hasn't really been hitting the ball the last two months anyway, ever since that little scandal broke out about him and his family and, and having a side uh, baby and stuff like that. He's, he's really been struggling at the plate. So, you know, right now we've, we've got Sosa uh, up. He hit a home run yesterday. Um, it was cool to see. That was his first home run, career home run. And the crazy thing about the White Sox right now is for all their struggles, they're two games over 500. And I I fully expect them to be in first place by the end of this weekend, which is as crazy as that sounds, because I think that they'll be able to take care of business against the Royals. They've got a huge series against the Twins. And I, I still think that they can, you know, come out of this, you know, well, right? Now, the crappy part is they see the, the Astros next week. You know, they can come out of first place really quickly. But, you know, at this point, 
I don't have high expectations for them. They have, um, you know, they, they've really let us down all year. Um, I, I think the players have shown little to no life all season. I, I, I think they seem disinterested. And I think a large part of that is because they've got a manager who falls asleep in, in, in the dugout, you know, half the time. I, I think I think they really feed off the energy of, of their leader. And right now they just don't have one. And it's been really shitty because this is not what we went through as White Sox fans through that rebuild and, and trading all those guys away and trying to get all these pieces back to, you know, go from a World Series contender to a team that's just trying to, uh, stay above 500 right now. So I, I still hope they win the division. I, th- I think it'd be really cool if they can go to the playoffs, but I don't have high hopes for them at all, which sucks, you know, because this was supposed to be a really fun summer for us as Sox fans. It was, and you can't control these injuries at this point. I, I mean, the Tim Anderson shit is just a, another blow uh, upon blow where you feel like you're getting hot at the right time and you're able to overcome mismanaging and, and certain things but but there are some bright spots obviously Dylan Cease is is pitching out of his mind and mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you know the pitching and and hitting will all rebound into I mean you know the end of the season there's still a, lot, a ton of baseball left to be played right mm-hmm. so on, on that note too the the team that's even worse there were no expectations and and you thought they were trading uh, Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ didn't trade Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ after Wilson Contreras was crying and expected to be traded. Now you got the um, Jason Hayward situation where you just paid him a boatload of money and he's got to get out of there. The the Cubs aside, they'll get to be on national television, of course. And and we remember the White Sox in that great game against the Yankees last year. Uh, at the the Field of Dreams field, and boy, I would love to be there. But why are these two baseball teams playing there? Tell me why. Because I, they, these throwbacks look good. Can they be flexed out? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. That would have been cool if they flexed. Out. I mean, it makes sense on paper, right? You get two uh, Middle America story franchises, right, with a ton of history. But yeah, you, you really would have liked for this to have more stakes involved. At least I think it's cool that you know they'll have a good turnout. Um, like I said, Cincinnati and Chicago are not too far away from Iowa. It's going to be a, a, a great drive for fans um, and a good experience for seeing the ballpark. The, the jerseys look phenomenal. Um, yeah. But then they said they made the news today that the MLB won't be returning to, to the Field of Dreams for, for next season. So yeah. uh, I, I know it, it sucks, right? But um, I, I think that the league has kind of come up with a cool concept here, and it would be cool to see them – um, kind of do a little bit more of this, do some more of these, these showcase games. Um, I don't care if you have a baseball game on an aircraft carrier or, you know, it'd be really cool if you went down to Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic and, and played more games down there and, and stuff like that. Anything that you can do to liven up a sport that is um, is, is mostly dominant by the uh, the same age demographic that really enjoys reruns of Matlock, then you're doing yourself a, a a great deal of service to, to be able to do that. They got to liven this game up, man. Cause I love baseball. I grew up on it, but right now, like I, my five-year-old son, I I'm trying to get him into it and trying to give him the play, but I don't think that he's going to probably, uh, you, you know, enjoy watching the sport in another three, four years as he gets a little older. He's probably going to want to see Steph Curry or John Moran or some shit. Yeah. I, going back to that, notion of the field of dreams game and and just moving some sort of nationally televised game like the nfl is doing it with all these these fucking london games which i get it 
I, I certainly do. But the Mexico City game, that's one thing, too. The NBA is doing it as well. You got to travel. It's it's only going to help your, your public perception and help you get more fans, which is what it's about, and more money. Continue to expand the league. I, yeah. Is Kevin Costner going to walk out of the cornfield again and then we'll never see him again? He'll just disappear at the end of of this Field of Dreams game tomorrow. <laughs> he might be. He might be. He should get James Earl Jones to do it this time around, right? James Earl Jones was just as important to that movie as yeah. Kevin Costner was. Um, at the very least, I want to see a, a pretty cool Ray Liotta um, uh, tribute, you obviously, uh, with Ray Liotta playing Shoeless Joe Jackson. He passed away this year. Um, shout out to Ray Liotta. I just finished Blackbird on Apple TV. Uh, Ray Liotta has a, a very small part in there. Please watch that show if you have not gotten a chance to watch it. It's outstanding. This is not an ad. Apple doesn't pay me, even though they should. Um, but rest in peace, really. What I would like to see him get a, uh, a nice tribute to the Field of Dreams game. The plug for Apple. I'd like to see really hologram. Yeah. Sponsored by <laughs> Brought to you by Apple, the Mac and Reed show. There is a rumor that they're trying to do a Harry Carey hologram. And I <laughs> let me be the first in a long line of people to say, um, don't do it, please. <laughs> I don't. Hey. Please. That's pretty creepy and weird. The moon was made of spare ribs. Would you eat it? I don't. I don't Wash it down it. with a cold Budweiser. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to see it. I'd, I'd see a lot of holograms before Harry Carey. That's that's a, get like a Vince Scully one. Come on, right. man, that would be cool. It don't would be now. cool. Contreras is spelled C O N. It's <laughs> terrific, man. So Serena Williams calling it a career, Ross, and yep. she uh, after this last U.S. Open uh, this year, she's 40 years old. She just has a ton of accolades. You know, obviously, gold medals. She's one of the greatest athletes of all time. She's in that conversation for Mount Rushmore, and like at the greatest. Certainly in her sport, uh, you know, her record, her career record is insane. It's 855 to 153, and she's been number one for. God knows how long has what 23 grand slams at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's been really marketable, you know, obviously winning doubles with her sister Venus too. And, and uh, they probably made a little money off that, that Will Smith movie too uh, about their, their life as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not just saying it's about them. It's obviously about the Williams family. Um, what was that called? King, King Richard, King Richard. King Richard. Absolutely. There it is. And Man, I wonder what's next for her as, you know, you're still 40 in your prime at this point, but mm -hmm. she's got the world ahead of her. That's that's uh, it's awesome to, you know, to say like in, in our lifetimes, we've seen Jordan, we've seen Brady, seen Serena, we've seen some just magnificent athletes. We've seen you know, LeBron, too, on top of that. Mm -hmm. And just in certain sports, we're seeing some transcendent athletes that are just really changing the game uh, as far as uh, individuals. And then the perception too. what she did for tennis too, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a black female tennis player too, is just goes without saying it's been incredible for the sport. She's on my, you know, she's on my sports about Rushmore of all time. And I think, you know, my four, if I were going to make it right now, it, it's, it's Jordan, it's Barry Bonds, it's Serena Williams, it's Tiger Woods. Those are the four most impressive athletes I feel like I've ever seen in my lifetime, you know, I can throw in there probably like a Walter Payton or something like that, or even Barry Sanders. But, um, you know, she, she's there for me. Um, I think she belongs on, on any top 10 athlete list, male or female. I think she was absolutely amazing. She transcended the game. She, she made the game so much more palatable and marketable, um, for, for young women, for, for in particular young black women. 
um, for, for kids from inner cities who didn't feel like they had an opportunity to even do something like play tennis before. And she's amazing. She, she, you know, in a sport where most of the women flamed out after like 24, 25, the Monica Sellis's and Jennifer Capriati's of the world and stuff like that, she continued well into her 30s and winning championships. She won a championship when she was like three months, uh, three, three weeks pregnant with her daughter, which is just is absolutely nuts. absurd. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I wish her nothing but the best going forward. I think she's going to be continue to be a great ambassador for the game and for young people. Um, and then what's next? She's she's raising a child, right? She's got a daughter who, she, if you watch her on Instagram, she's already teaching her daughter the game. Um, I, you know, I, I imagine her her daughter is going to be amazing. And then she's she's heavy into fashion, and I think she's probably going to dabble in things like um, like TV and, and movies and stuff like that. And she's just a superstar. Um, so you know, amazing career to her hats off. And, you know, I, I always say this, especially in sports, appreciate the great athletes while you have them, because one day they are going to be gone. And you'll never get to see them again. And I just really think the hope that we don't take these kind of people for granted. No, we definitely shouldn't. And uh, it's just incredible what she's accomplished, but at 40, it's, it's definitely a good time to step away. Not everybody can beat Tom Brady when you're just one-on-one with these youngsters too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty incredible. But yeah. And tennis is such a physically demanding sport. The, yeah, the, man. Oh, the back yeah. and forth, the cutting and stopping on a dime and just, you know, all the running and stuff like that. It, it takes so much on your on your joints and your and your knees. And so, you know, she's had her, her fair share of injuries and stuff like that. You know, she's she's definitely walking away at the right time. So fair or foul, Ross. Kelly O'Linick. He got married. And for those of the, I mean, this guy making fucking headlines, you know, it's, it's kind of that dead dog days of summer shit too. I mean, Kelly Olenek was a fine player. He's one of those guys who went to Gonzaga and then had a decent pro career, but he wore a snapback to his wedding. Is it fair or foul? It's Listen, foul to me. I, I, I think it's foul, but when you're rich, you can basically do anything you want. Right. So, you know, I'm sure his wife is not complaining. She woke up, she checked the bank account in the morning. He can do whatever he wants. I, I mean, Oh, is it any different than than people who wear Converse or Jordans with the, at their wedding with their suits or anything like that? Right? I it's mean, one thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, he wore a snapback. It's fine. I'm fine. Want to hide his fucking man bun? Come on, yeah. Ross. My, my hot takes is is most weddings are like, especially the traditional kind, which is so cliche and and, and kind of over the top. If you want to kind of spice it up a little bit and put your own spin on it, I'm all in. Mm. Wear a mm. snapback to your wedding. I'm okay with it. Thank you. No, thank you. You will not see me in, in a snapback on one of these in the hat rack back here for you. I'm going to take that down after the show. So let's get to Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian splitting up. Oh, romance is dead once again. Skeet. Uh, I don't. I don't care. But I mean, that was just. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, right? Kim and and Pete would be tired of but commuting like she's going to visit him in fucking long Island. And then he's going to, he's not an LA guy. Not at all. He's like built out as he tricked out his mom's basement. No, come on. But the bigger issue is I, I think a lot of people are really pissed about how Kanye has re-entered the chat and, and has re reacted very negatively and took down this, this posting that was a newspaper headline that said, Skeet Davidson dead, whatever, 28. And it was just in poor taste. Like, I don't know. The, the petty side of me thinks it's funny to an extent, but this is also just very Kanye. And, and again, like when, when this guy's running around with your ex-wife, you're, you're going to have some emotion into it. But I, I, I was I was here for it. I just want Kanye to continue to, to kind of shut the fuck up and do his music. 
at this point. Uh, and I don't need him to to comment on his ex-wife's life and everything at this point. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Um, you know, it, it was it was a little funny, but very much so inappropriate on the line. This is a guy who's had mental health issues and Pete Davidson. We all think that Kanye West also has mental health issues. And so, you know, at, at this point, you know, you, you really feel like all parties involved are being used by the by the Chris Jenner machine uh, as she tries to, to spin what she can to make keeping up with the Kardashians on Hulu season 17 or whatever the hell they're on right now. Right. As as Chloe gets a surrogate from Tristan Thompson while he's smacking ass in Greece and stuff like that. The whole the whole thing is just absurd to me. The whole family is absurd to me. I I, I haven't really paid attention to uh to 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 what any of that family does in, in quite some time now but you know at this point you know you wish you wish pete nothing but the best he's not on snl anymore i never thought he was a really funny guy his stand-up or anything like that so i'm not sure what's going to be next for him um you know he you know in terms of acting and stuff like that and then you know for kanye west anytime he does starts to do stuff like this to me i always think it's it's, it's rollout season I, I i think that an album or something is going to come around the corner because he only really does these kind of things when something's popping up right so i fully expect like don the two to pop into my phone like within, within the next couple of weeks Ooh, all right jail part three jail <laughs> Guess who's going to jail, man? <laughs> uh, were you a Grease fan, Ross? Were you sad to see Olivia Newton John gone? Of course, Sandy. Yeah, I was a fan. I was, a fan. A I was a fan. I um, I I was um, the John Travolta characters um, I, in a play once. I, I played his role in the play. Oh, so I had to were. learn all the songs. I knew all the songs by heart. I've since forgot them. Um, so oh, but I, no. I still remember some Summer Loving had me a blast. Um. But yeah, you know, sad the, the fact that this woman, on a serious note, you know, battled cancer three separate times in her life. Um, I always say, you know, you, you don't lose a battle to, battle to cancer; you win the battle. She she fought her ass off, and yeah. um, you know, she still was able to live an amazing life. Um, Let's get physical is an amazing song. The, I remember the '80s leotards and and, and the, the outfits and stuff like that. So she definitely left her iconic uh, mark on this uh, on our lives. It was a very nice tribute by John Travolta as well. Obviously, yeah. she had a lot of fame with Greece, but she also, you know, she like, I don't know, she just had a, a strong musical background too. It was just a, a really great character, and and like you said, the whole cancer battle. It seems like, you know, she she kept that fighting spirit the whole way along that way. So mm -hmm. on on the note of music, today's top five is is a little different, as as we mentioned. We're we're going to New Orleans this weekend, which is of course a a great music city and, and louisiana as a whole of course uh where there's a ton of history and funk and rhythm and blues and and hip-hop uh, also some great artists there now the disclaimer is this list the top five they may not have been born in new orleans per se but you know that's that's with any of these you know like chicago musicians if you will you know if you had a top five of that but honorable honorable mention to me uh, you know i think of the neville brothers i think mm -hmm. of uh trombone shorty mm -hmm. you know a lot of recent guys come out like the guys from galactic a lot of they're all local and really great and still touring louis prima just got edged out who's great you know you were going to a lot of uh, jazz with with this list influence uh, as far as accomplishments blues with earl king manny fresh Birdman. put some respect on his name but he's not in the top five for me mm -hmm. what about you yeah, same thing. A lot of names that you named on that list. Aaron Neville was in my um, 
was in my honorable mention. Neville Brothers, man. The yeah. Neville Mothers, absolutely. You know, most of Cash Money, Manny Fresh, BG, Juvenile, Baby, right? Those guys. Um, you know, Master P would be in my uh, honorable mention as well. I appreciate everything he's done for hip hop as a model, you know, the music wise, not so much. I'm also going to throw out there Big Frida. Uh, Big Frida is becoming really popular now for yeah. her work with uh, Beyonce on the latest album and Drake. But Big Frida has been a huge underground house music artist for a long time now. She, if you don't know, she's an amazing uh, you know, transgender artist, super popular when you go down to New Orleans, man. And if you've never been to New Orleans, first off, Get your ass down there. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The vibe is unreal. It's one of my top five favorite cities in this country. Um, but yeah, those would be my my honorable mention. Trombone Shorty was 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 I wanted to put him on my list. It was really really close, but I had to really? put one more guy on there because I think he's got a little bit more musical significance. He's he's one of those guys that super. Still, like, I don't know. I mean, he's he's ageless at this point, but he's been around for a long time and collaborated with a, a lot of guys who will be on this list, too. Uh, really good. We, we would say mystical, but you can't talk about mystical can't right now. Mystical. You can't talk about mystical, but, oh, man, he, he had some hits. That's like yep. talk about R. Kelly. Uh, so number five for me, the, the hip-hop representation, you got to go to Lil Wayne. You to go to his Grammys acceptance speeches. I want to thank God. I want to thank myself. I want to thank New Orleans. Like he is, uh, you know, in the upper echelon of rappers, certainly too. Like super accomplished career. He has some fantastic features uh, when you think of no problems and just there's. He's on uh, Collar Grove with the Two Chains, some favorite projects, but of course the big ones were Six Foot Seven, Lollipop, a Millie. He just, uh, you know, tremendous uh, presence into hip hop and so <laughs> so unique for sure with his. His delivery and uh, just just a, a great musician overall. But we just missed his festival in New Orleans. He had he had a Wheezy Fest last weekend. Yeah, we did. We did. Lil Wayne was gonna pop up on my list, so not in both. We'll, we'll definitely go back to Lloyd. My number five is a um, is a very unique artist. He he's a two time uh, Academy Award nominated uh, 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 score composer as well as a five time Grammy Award winner for his own music. It's Terrence Blanchard. Terrence Blanchard. Um, if, for those of you who don't know, if you're a Spike Lee fan and you hear music in Spike Lee, I promise you, Terrence Blanchard has done all the music. He was nominated for. Uh, the Five Bloods and Black Klansmen, but he's also done More Better Blues. He's done Spike Lee, uh, um, excuse me, Malcolm X. Um, he did Inside Man. So anytime you hear music in the Spike Lee movie, I promise you Terrence Blanchard has done it. He's just an amazing jazz performer, but the music that he has in those movies are, are just absolutely amazing, iconic to me. And so uh, Terrence Blanchard comes in as number five for me, who's, who's uh, thankfully very much still alive to a lot of these guys on my list, not maybe as much. So Terrence Blanchard is still with us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number four, I would say, I, you know, going to a lot of the the great New Orleans pianists of the uh, of of the past, you know, hundred years, whatever. Professor Longhair. We we got a couple of guys who were influenced uh, by Fess on this list for sure. But he he pioneered that that R and B sound, influenced by jazz largely, and, and just uh, incredible on the Ivories, uh, largely in New Orleans. I think you know he. He lived most of his life there. He just embodied a lot of that spirit for sure and, and had great collaborations with guys like Dr. John and Alan Toussaint and the great venue Tipitina's in New Orleans is named after his signature song. And it was actually constructed as a venue for Fest to perform in his later years. But super you know, interesting guy, too, with his, uh, his history as well and, and just super recognizable 
Absolutely, absolutely. My number four for me is, uh, is, is a gentleman by the name of Malcolm John Remenick Jr. Um, he has passed away a couple of years ago, but he's better known as Dr. John. And Dr. John, it, he embodies everything that's New Orleans to me, the voodoo, the medicine shows. Um, you, you've known his hit, um, I think it was from 1973, Right Place, Wrong Time, but just had that raspy voice. It, it just had that kind of, uh, that really dark jazz sound. It's absolutely amazing. Um, it, 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 to me, it, it just sounds like I'm walking in like a, um, an old just uh, kitchen through New Orleans, almost like one of those old just big houses um, with trees in the front yard and stuff like that. And, and there's a swing in the front. Um, just absolutely amazing music. I love Dr. John. I still play his music a lot, you know, cleaning the house and stuff on Sundays. Um, but he's in my number four. He's pretty eclectic. Yeah. And, and he may be on my list. Number three for me, Alan Toussaint. And again, going back to guys who really that were, were mentored by Professor Longhair and, and just really learned a lot of that rhythm blues style on the piano. And he was a great producer, too. Talking about Dr. John, he produced Right Place, Wrong Time. But uh, I think a lot of people would, would point to Southern Nights as one of his biggest songs. But he just, you know, for him to go from uh, the... Uh, solo career to producing like a lot of these guys transition to and have a lot of fame doing it um get on my get on my life woman has, has been covered several times like all of these songs um that's what's also like great about the new orleans music i feel like they don't mind having these songs covered by their peers too like tipatina um and big chief you know songs like that get covered a lot and he was just a, he really embodied that spirit again too he was a pretty incredible pianist and, and vocalist for uh, new orleans and, and had a lot of soul um and the blues and jazz background for sure and just really was new orleans yes absolutely um listen my number three tried to pay attention but attention paid me haters can't see me nosebleed seats <laughs> real g's moving silence like lasagna it is lil wayne yeah. Um, it is uh, yeah. one, of, one of the, one of the iconic hip hop performers of all time. It, it was, baby. He is going to come out with the Carter six as he announced over the weekend recently. All the Carter albums are absolutely amazing. Hit after hit from Lollipop to Millie to Mrs. Officer mm -hmm. to, um, you know, the block is hot and, and, and fireman. And I can keep going on and on, but just in an iconic, uh, you know, rapper, um, just, you know, standing on that stage with a cup of the lean. And, and I, I would have never thought when Lil Wayne came out back in the 90s that he was still to this day be very, very active in the hip hop scene and still putting out, uh, you know, cranking out albums. Um, his his hip hop tree has grown from, you know, the Nicki Minaj's to the Drake's of the world and, and, and all the young money and stuff and stuff like that. So, you know, Lil Wayne to me is, 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 in, is my number three. Uh, a couple of year, a couple of times I was I went to New Orleans. I was able to visit the Magnolia Projects, which is is not for the faint of heart. But you walk through that area and you really get the vibe of of, of Lil Wayne and the person he is, as, as well as guys like Juvenile and BG and and Turk and all the guys that came from that that area. Yeah, it started so young too. We forget yeah. like Wayne has been around for so long but an incredible incredible career already yeah. and he still keeps chugging along man one of the great mixtape rappers of all time too if you ever get your hands on a few Lil Wayne mixtapes they are they are classic 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 pieces of art features just keep coming too man and yeah. he's got great roots in in New Orleans too I, I, I'll tell you that keeping it very local 
Number two for me is Mac Rebenack, is Dr. John. I'm a little, little biased in, in my spot. I, I love this guy and, and his his presence, what he he was uh, as incorporating the voodoo in his raspy voice and just his, his old mindset and, and really going from rhythm and blues to a lot of rock, just straight up. Like he embraced the voodoo side of things, but mixed in honky tonk and funk. Like he would have dueling pianos with Professor Longhair, which was so cool and collaborate with Alan Tucson. A lot of these guys, it was just very tightly knit. And then in his later years too, he, he went and did a, an album with Dan Auerbach, and the black keys um, called lockdown. That was like, man, this guy it's 2016, something like that. 2017 when it came out and he could still just throw down on the piano and, and the vocals of it too. It was just really uh, great to see just proof that he's, was such a great musician. Grigory is like one of my favorite albums. It's so mm-hmm. fucking out there and, and, and spooky, but, but very listenable. Got some, some, um, some groovy ones in there too. It just really would, he would surprise you constantly. And just like such a long catalog of music. Absolutely. Uh, lucky, lucky enough to see him a couple of times before he passed. Nice. Nice. Uh, my number two is the artist that was born in New Orleans, but actually made uh, her a lot of her bones of her career in the Chicagoland area as a gospel singer. And that's Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson um, is just has most of the most iconic voices to me of all time. For me, it's like Mahalia Jackson, Etta James, and Aretha Franklin. Those three voices right there are just absolutely unreal. If you've ever seen her, you can YouTube this. Uh, if you watch her sing Amazing Grace, it will just put, uh, it'll make the, the hairs on your skin just jump up. She just has an amazing voice, just a, a tremendous stage presence, right? Just big, powerful woman on stage and all that big sound coming out of her voice. But to sing such soulful gospel records, I, I love everything about Mahalia Jackson. She's my number two. I like it, Ross. Number one for me, it's the guy who just embodies like New Orleans and uh, it, largely the jazz. I mean, one of the best musicians of all time, but uh, trumpeter and vocalist Satchmo Pops, you may know him as Louis Armstrong. And he is like, I feel like kids don't know who the fuck Louis Armstrong is now because he died back in the 70s. And and it's not you know going to be heard on the radio unless you go to like WTTW or something like that. He spent time in Chicago, but he was a big part of um, influencing certainly a lot of these guys that we talk about in jazz and, you know, in the Harlem Renaissance. And then is just very, you know, again, going back to Dr. John, their vocal delivery was so unique and the collaborations were really something else, you know, for him to to go ahead and, and um, you know, go from Bing Crosby to Sinatra to Barbara Streisand uh, and, you know, What a Wonderful World is, is still probably what, what people remember him most by, which is a beautiful song, of course, but he's just had so many... Uh, great bits of trumpet and and singing out there that just really shaped uh the music landscape not just in new orleans and, and jazz but music as a whole that is also my number one louis jackson uh, louis armstrong excuse me is my number one um you know the big cheeks right how can you forget about that yeah. um you know i the first time i went to new orleans um i, I love staying in the warehouse district and about right across the street from the warehouse district you're able to take a ferry um, over to Algiers, which is right across the way. Um, it's like this little island neighborhood across the way from New Orleans. And um, as soon as you get off the ferry, there's this ginormous statue of Louis Armstrong right there. You have to see it if you've never seen it before. And I, I was able to take a picture of it. Um, I, I, I love his music, his trumpet. It just it, like you said, he, he was, to me, one of the first people to really 
cross the the line of jazz and bring it to mainstream and, and just collaborate with so many different artists. His, his look and everything about him was so iconic. And so um, I'm glad that we were both uh, able to agree and, and to get to the same guy at number one. Yeah, no question. Good list. Yes, sir. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening in on YouTube. And check us out on Spotify and iTunes if you missed any of our previous shows. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. I'll see you in New Orleans, sir, for the rest of all the, the bar flies and everybody listening out there. We say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Peace.